This is false and defamatory, the impact of defamation in weaponized social media. Trigger warning. This podcast discusses topics related to emotional abuse, gaslighting, verbal abuse, threatening language, cyberbullying, intimidation tactics, and thoughts of self-harm, which may be triggering for some listeners. The content includes descriptions of manipulative behavior, psychological distress, body shaming, online harassment, and other forms of abusive behavior and emotional trauma. Please take care of yourself and consider your mental and emotional state before listening. If you need support or someone to talk to, please seek help from a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. Thank you for listening. We are still in August of 2021. The defendant has recorded three live videos, pretty much back to back, just talking about her false and defamatory narrative over and over again. The last video that she recorded, she titled The End For Now. And she said that she wasn't going to talk about this anymore because she was going to make a new account and film everything over there. That way, whoever needed to transcribe it could transcribe it. But she wasn't going to be talking about it anymore. Unfortunately, that is not the case. The defendant made another live video just two days after her The End For Now video on August the 24th, where she continues to talk about her false and defamatory narrative. Like, lay down and cry all the time. No, oh, no. Not happening. My little internet army ain't gonna let it happen. I ain't gonna let it happen. No, no, no. What is going to happen next? Like, oh, that's not even be worried about it. I hope you be inspired about it. I hope you tell your kids you did this really bad thing when you were young. No, Tweedledum number one, you ain't telling your kids nothing. They already know. You said your daughter called you the fakest person she ever met. I thought that was so weird. <laughs> I see. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, maybe you do take from this the lesson that you learn, which is you cannot bite the hand that feeds you. And I don't mean just feeds you. I mean, nerf being, you can't do that. Or, you know, pay the piper. And I mean, considering y'all are suing me for a million bucks right now, and I'm still talking, clearly. Oh, I ain't paying no one. (laughs) That's the best part. (laughs) A million dollars. And my daddy was dying, too. Like, I'd be a million bucks. Like, would you tell my dad you're doing that? That's gross, huh? And no lawyer would touch that. Oh, I know. Uh, the All the detectives say the same thing. The problem was I wasn't fighting back. So, like, I was doing nothing, literally. I didn't respond to anything. I was just like, okay, okay, okay. Did you say this? Yes, yes, yes. Like, I just want to go to a jury. I just want to talk to a court or a deposition or something. I don't know. Anywhere I can just talk. I want to tell the truth. And I don't need no papers. I don't write nothing down. I don't have to. I don't have 89-page documents. Just so you know... I'm never going to stop telling the truth. So, it doesn't matter how bad you make me look. I know every bad thing i ever done, and I'm okay with talking about it in front of my church. So, here's my tip for the day. If you got a good life, and you got a job where your boss genuinely loves you, and you've never heard her say anything horrible about you, and you ask your coworkers, and they say the same thing, and you know you get preferential treatment, and you know you ain't got to pay for nothing, and you know she's probably going to give it to you one day, because though she likes to be successful, money is not her motive, I would not ruin that. Just because you make a mistake, like, you know, somebody told you, 
I made a mistake and I don't think I can fix it. And I don't know if our relationship will ever be the same. But you made a bigger mistake joining a lawsuit for a million dollars against somebody who will not be quiet. Okay, so last year I had booked a trip for me and three of my employees to go to New York City because we wanted to go like have like a little gossip girl tour. I just wanted to treat them to something because we weren't going to be doing the show that we usually do. And so I was like, well, our minds won't be on it. We'll be in New York. And that didn't happen, obviously. Oh, also, Tweedledum number one. And was there when she said it. She told me to cancel your ticket and not invite you. And that's not being me being ugly, I promise. 100%. She was like, 70 absolutely doesn't need to come. She like lost her over that. And then she was like, and while you're at it, you can cancel Captain Crazy too. So just so you know, that's a factual statement. And I have a witness. I know it sucks, huh? <laughs> that girl just don't shut up. I gotta give you something to be recording, you know? Again, factual, since I get a detailed list of everything I say. <laughs> Journey's like, you have to say if you said these things or you didn't. I was like, can we just ask for the video? <laughs> just tell me. If you have the video, 100%. But also, probably yes. Okay, so in this clip, although just two days prior, she had said that she's not going to be talking about this anymore, she is right back into her same false and defamatory narrative. She does make reference to her internet army and how they would not allow her to just lay down and take it or lay down and cry. And they are right there in the comments supporting her and egging her on. And she knows that they will do that. All she has to do is say some words to incite them and they follow suit. She also makes reference to how I wouldn't be telling my children anyone because my daughter already said that I'm the fakest person she's ever known. My daughter has already talked about this and how whenever she was making those sort of statements, it was in reference to me calling someone an idiot while being nice or them not realizing what I was saying. For lack of a better word, just demonstrating professionalism. But the defendant continues to talk about that as if my daughter thinks that I am have this secret, horrible life and that is why I'm the fakest person person that she's ever met. She also says, don't bite the hand that feeds you and that she clearly doesn't care because she's not going to shut up or repay anyone. She says this sort of repeatedly about how she's never going to pay anyone. And at the time of this recording, she has made no effort to pay her judgment. So she has continued to keep that promise. She also references the requests for admissions and seemingly the retraction letters. By now, she has gotten four retraction letters and 280 for requests for admission that just say you have to admit or deny that you have said these statements. And so that's what she's referring to whenever she says her attorney tells her she has to admit or deny. And then she also says, send me the video footage, which she has access to all of her own archives and video footage. But she also then says, but probably yes saying that, yeah, she probably did say it. And then at one point, she is seemingly talking to H and saying that she had preferential treatment and that she just loved her so much and how stupid it is that she would have joined a million-dollar lawsuit against someone who will not be quiet. Again, the defendant has continued to make these videos. She has continued to try and increase the reach. She wants this out there in public, so she is intentionally trying to cause harm to my own reputation and also to H's reputation. And that is demonstrated by her saying, I'm never going to be quiet. And 
Once again, she has maintained that promise. She has kept that promise as of today. Less than 24 hours ago, the defendant was continuing to make false and defamatory statements against me. She once again talks about the trip to New York City that we were supposed to be taking and saying that H had told her to cancel my ticket. And this is one of the other tactics that the defendant uses because she tries to drive a wedge between H and I with these sort of, oh, well, she didn't really like you. She didn't want you to go on this trip. At this time, H and I had no communication whatsoever. Also, H and I were good friends and H knew that I didn't want to go on the trip to New York City. So it doesn't bother me if H actually said that, but the defendant is trying to use it as a tactic to, I guess, divide and conquer. So if she can triangulate us in this scenario that one of us would either drop the lawsuit or she thinks come clean about everything that has happened, but it's just another intimidation tactic that didn't work. The defendant makes another live video the next day on August the 27th. This is just three days after she said that she was going to stop talking about this. You know, because my uh, celebration day is September 2nd. That's the day my world changed completely. Start over from scratch while my dad was dying and while I'm trying to finish my house stuff. So for me, that's my like celebratory day. So I'm gonna have everything all lined out, pretty and perfect in a PowerPoint presentation for all my people by September 2nd. <laughs> and I'm very excited about it. Like I might even have like a photo shoot with balloons and seriously. Like, hey, we survived a whole year of being terrorized. Actually, we survived way longer than that of being terrorized, being terrorized and knowing who did it, which technically I guess I didn't find out who did it for sure till November, but you know what I mean. Okay, so what would you call it? cosmetic but we need to buy the website right now well we're gonna have to call it something else now because you know captain crazy i don't want them to be like hopping over to GoDaddy real quick <laughs> so in this video the defendant is getting her makeup done by a friend of hers and they are chatting about how september the 2nd is her celebration day that is the anniversary of when i resigned effective immediately she also says that she is needing to put together all of this information she says for her people i think she means her attorneys and how that is her deadline for herself that she is going to get everything put together and powerpoint presentation for her people who need it her friend is talking about potentially starting her own cosmetics company and the defendant says oh well we're gonna have to name it something else because you know captain crazy profanity which is a term of endearment that she calls me has probably already bought the domain for that and the defendant actually makes a very good point here she has continued to make instagram account facebook account facebook groups at this point she has over 32 social media accounts and she does have a habit of speaking about new ventures that she wants to take on her instagram stories or on her facebook without purchasing the domain name and if you're going to start a business the first thing that you should do is see if the domain is available see if the social media handles are available and then get your logo made secure the website secure the social media handles and then continue with your venture and i will say because the defendant has continued to defame me now she has more than 32 social media accounts after 
after the judgment was final, I had purchased falseanddefamatory.com. And in addition to that, I purchased some other domains that were related to the defendant. I did purchase her name and there were some other social media accounts that she talked about that she was going to make into companies and she had secured the Instagram handle, but the website domains were still available. I did purchase those. In addition to that, I also purchased my own name because the defendant refuses to stop defaming me publicly and constantly months and months after the verdict. I wanted to make sure that if anyone does a Google search on the defendant or me, that it will lead them to the truth. And so I have all of those domains pointing to falseanddefamatory.com because the defendant continues to perpetuate her false and defamatory narrative about me. I want to guide people to the actual facts. And once people have seen the facts of the case, not just what she is saying in her Instagram stories, they can decide for themselves what they believe to be the truth. But it is an attempt to salvage the harm that was done to my reputation. On September the 1st of 2021, we sent the defendant an additional 115 requests for admissions, making the total 399 at this moment. Also on September the 1st, the defendant was sent her fifth retraction letter. This retraction letter covered 28 posts and 115 statements. So these are the additional 115 statements that have now been added to the request for admission. Again, the request for admission is an effort to make the legal process more efficient so that as we take depositions and at trial, we don't have to argue about whether or not the defendant made the statements that she made. If she admits that she made the statements, then we can just focus on the context of the statement and what she meant by the statement rather than taking the time to say, did you make this statement on this date? Also on September the 1st, the defendant makes another live video. This is now seven days after her The End For Now video where she says that she is going to stop talking about this. I had to like split my days. Yesterday, I, I just worked on like case stuff all day and oh my God, it just takes up so much of your time, which I guess is the point for the Satan and company. Um, don't worry, because all that gets added in there at the end of the day, anything that takes away from my business. <laughs> it's part of the problem. Also, FYI, if you were guilty, you'd probably be quiet, right? You don't see me delete my social media. You don't see me shut my mouth. Zero percent chance. I got 15 million letters in the mail already telling me to issue retractions. No. Never. I ain't lying. I ain't retracting. You issue retraction, won't you? Oh, God, I don't even care what you do. I'm just buzz off. It's never going to end. It's okay. It will, though. Proof of it now. And you're like, oh, see? Like, I wasn't crazy. But also, like, oh, so gross. God. It just is. Really is. And here's the other thing, too, about me. I'm not a good judge of character as far as, like, telling if somebody's a good person or not. But I can tell you if they have, like, troll tendencies. And I'm telling you, sis, every person that I've ever kicked out of the insider club, or which is so dumb because it's just a freaking Facebook group, who cares? Or, like, anybody who I've ever thought, man, they have troll tendencies. Sis, ask me if they didn't turn out to be kind of cray. And not trolls, but, you know, just, like, negative people, like, messaging you mean stuff. Not mean stuff. Like, sassy stuff where they're, like trying to be combative sometimes. And then sometimes you realize like, that is not, that's all one person. That is not multiple people. And then you realize that people aren't that crazy. Just a couple. So we will talk about all those things. And I just, I'm like chomping at the bit to be able to tell you all those things, which is why they don't want me to talk. Too bad.
Too bad. If you can talk every day, I can talk every day. I just do it on camera where you can see the words coming out my mouth, not behind some profile with lots of different ad or usernames. Nope, I don't do that. I never hide behind anything. I am who I am. This is just what you're working with today, girl. Look at all this. It's the worst. Literally. Like, are you kidding me? Pages and pages and pages. It's gross. I have to look through my whole life, the last seven years, and match up every single text message I've ever sent with every single picture I've ever taken on my phone. And thank God I film everything. 156,000 pictures, 38,000 live photos, and like 23,000 videos to watch through everyone. Last night I watched a 13 minute long video. And it's amazing when you're looking for something different, what you see when you watch things back. You're just like, oh my God, did you hear that? Oh my God. And did you know live photos, you can hear everything that's being said when you take the picture? Even if you send it to somebody else, if you send them a live photo, you can hear the words before and after. That has been a ring-a-ding-ding lifesaver for me too. Oh my God, for sure, for sure. But it is what it is. Sorry, it has to be this way. I don't know. Also being complicit and like knowing something's going on and not doing anything about it or not saying anything to me makes you just as culpable. I guess the court will have to decide the rest of that, but I don't, uh, I'm not moving forward the way I am to get rich or do anything like that. I don't, I don't not want to work. I don't not want to do my job every day, but I have to defend myself and make sure people know that you cannot do this mean stuff to people for no freaking reason. Keep those blinders on, you know your truth and your truth will prevail even in the face of whatever facts and evidence. Oh, sis, there ain't no facts and evidence, I promise. Sis, I promise you. I never worried about that either. That's a good thing too. I've never worried about, oh my God, what do they have? Ain't shit. That's the answer, 0%. I wouldn't run my mouth so much. For a million bucks, I would never run my mouth like that. But it's, it's the wading through the, no, it can't be. Like you just want to deny it. It happened to you kind of like, you know, it happened to you, but you just don't know as, as much as you know, it did. You want to like pray to God you're wrong somewhere. Please, dear Lord, let me be wrong. But nope. Let me tell you, text messages from other people, especially do not lie. And anything you ever say on the internet is going to get repeated. I just can't tell you enough. If you trust people with your business or your finances or anything like that, and you feel like you're getting the wrong information, even if you love them so much and you think you care so much and you think they love you so much and they're only going to lead you the right way, sister, I'm telling you right now, it does not matter how good you are to other people. If they are bad, they will do bad to you with no remorse and no regard for your sanity. So if you feel like, man, this just cannot be, I don't understand. Even if like in my case, I never suspected anybody. I definitely didn't. I mean, I read the troll blogs that night, never once thinking it was going to be people in my own home for sure. But I mean, it took me five seconds to figure it out. No wonder my brother flew all the way here. I was like, girl, just look at it. And within two seconds, you figure it out. But you can't do that. And I don't care. People can talk about me forever. Are you kidding? You know, when they say it says more about Susie than Sally, this is that example. You know why? Because like, it don't bother me. My, the lady too, the Kristen Boss lady, she said, or no, no, the narcissist lady. She said, if you're dealing with somebody who's already successful, like me, and you say, God, you're stupid. You don't know how to run a business, blah, blah, blah. Like eventually, yes, after the course of a year, it'll wear you down and you'll think you don't know what the hell you're doing. But hello, now I'm by myself. And if I didn't know how to run a business, then I wouldn't be having profitable months, sis. And we still have that. But the thing is like, you can't, you, if you tell somebody who's successful, like they're a loser, they're never gonna, it's not gonna affect them the same way as if you tell a fat person she's fat. Or if you tell a person who has really bad acne and you comment on their acne, cause they know that's a fact. So it's gonna hit them different. When you're talking to somebody who's already successful or who already has a positive trait, it's just gonna hit them differently. You know, did I explain that right? Apparently 
they go to a counselor now? Like, what do you tell them? How do you keep that story up? And does the counselor, are they trained to know when you lie or when you don't? In this video, the defendant comments about how much time she's spending working on her case and says that's the point with Satan and company. Satan, the devil, antichrist, Lucifer, those are other terms of endearment that the defendant has called me many times. So she is referring to me here. But what the defendant doesn't realize, even to this day, is that if she would have not provided so much evidence and discovery, her attorneys would not have had this much work to do. Her attorneys were having to look through all of this stuff my attorneys were having to look through all of this stuff. She was the one providing all of the evidence in this case of her own defamation. She also says or implies that how much she's having to work on the case, it takes her away from her business and insinuates that that's going to award her some sort of damages. The defendant did not ever file a counterclaim in this case. And so she was the defendant. The defendant isn't awarded anything if the verdict does not go in the plaintiff's favor. So I'm not really sure what she's referring to here, but she's seemingly trying to imply that she was going to get something because we were making her work so much on her case. She also says if you were guilty, you'd probably be quiet because not for a million dollars would she run her mouth like this. This is another tactic that my therapist spoke about in how someone who is lying will often use this tactic to try and make themselves sound more believable. And so someone who is constantly professing, why would I lie about this? I'm not lying. I'm not lying typically is lying in an instance like this because there would be no other need for them to say that. So they are doing this to try and make themselves sound more believable and credible because it doesn't make sense that a logical person would continue to lie and lie and lie and perpetuate a false defamatory narrative after being served with a lawsuit and now five retraction letters and 399 statements on a document called request for admissions where she has to admit or deny she made those statements. No sane person would continue to do what she is doing in terms of getting on the internet every single day, even though seven days prior she had just said that she wasn't going to talk about this anymore and continue to do exactly what she is being sued for. She also references the 15 million pages of retractions that she's gotten. And she also said that she's not going to be quiet. You don't see me deleting my social media. She is referencing me here. I removed myself from social media on November the 18th, 2020, when one of her cult-like following commenters got a hold of a picture of myself and my son. So she's trying to twist that into something that it's not. I got off social media for my safety and my family's safety, and she is trying to weaponize that in this clip. She talks about seeing proof of it and how it's so gross. And once again, there was never any proof of any of her claims ever. Nothing was turned over. She talks about text messages that she got from other people. We saw in the last few episodes, the text messages that she's referring to that she submitted not only to her attorneys, but also to the police. And the entirety of those text messages, I am doing my job. I'm trying to schedule people to work at holiday markets. And also I'm trying to help another one of her friends with practical ideas on how she could help the defendant as the defendant and her family were going through a rough season with her father. She also talks about how she can tell if someone has troll tendencies and also admits that she has kicked people out of her insiders page, which is one of the Facebook groups that the defendant has. And it's interesting because sometimes the defendant will say she never gets mean comments on social media. That's why this makes so much sense because why would there be all of these pages about her with negative opinions? 
friends when no one is ever mean to her in real life. And then here she admits that she's gotten some of that. And she also admits to blocking those people. Then she says, but then you realize it's just one person with multiple profiles. And again, this is her false and defamatory narrative that I am every single person who has ever written something negative about her on the internet. To this day, I do not have an account on Gomi. At the time the defendant was making these comments, I had never posted on Reddit either. After the judgment, I did create a Reddit account where my name is Crystal underscore Wrighton and any commentary that I provide is under that name. So again, she is saying that I am all of these other usernames and that is not the case. She also says that she is chomping at the bit, waiting to be able to tell her followers everything. She has already told her followers everything repeatedly. It's the same song and dance almost every single day. It still baffles me to see so many of her followers in the comments supporting her. And I'm just like, do you not realize that she just said the same thing yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before? And that's what would be so frustrating is that it didn't matter what she said from day to day. She would just continue to say the same false and defamatory narrative and then continue to say that she can't wait to tell everyone everything. She also says that when she talks that she does it with her own account and with her own video, not hiding behind any false names. Once again, trying to reference that I had anonymous names and was commenting about her online. She holds up a stack of paper and says, see, look at all this. This is case stuff. It is so gross. Says that she has to look through her life of seven years and match up all of her text messages. And then she says, thank God I film all the time. And then she talks about the number of live videos she has and the number of photographs she has. And then she says something about how a live photo, even if you send someone a live photo, you can hear the words before and after. Once again, implying that she has some sort of damning evidence against me or against H, but also none of that was ever turned over and there wouldn't be anything because she made all of this up. She also uses another intimidation tactic against H where she says, even if you're just complicit and you know things and you don't say anything, you're still just as culpable. This was a common strategy that she used with H from the very beginning. Whenever she had H meet her at the police station, she was trying to use a intimidation tactic that H could be facing criminal charges. And so she better say everything that she knows. Unfortunately for the defendant, H didn't know anything about any of this because the defendant made it up. None of this was true. But again, she's trying to bring in that intimidation tactic that she had used before, implying that H was going to get in trouble for being complicit. When she talks about how she was matching up her text messages to posts on Gomi, nothing like that was ever turned over. In the defendant's sworn deposition, my attorney goes back and forth with the defendant on this subject. My attorney says, have you contacted anyone or spoken with anyone in an attempt to connect Crystal Wright into any of the Gomi names that we've gone through here today from a technical standpoint? Defendant says, I have not. My attorney says, do you believe or do you have any text messages that would support your position that Crystal had written anything negative about you on Gomi. Defendant says, say the question again. My attorney says, do you have any text messages or emails that would support your position that Crystal had written anything negative about you on Gomi? The defendant says, yes. My attorney says, and what is that? Defendant says, text messages that would support that Crystal's written negative things about me on Gomi. Conversations between Crystal and I and Crystal and and I. My attorney says, and describe those. Defendant says, like as to what they say? My attorney says, yes. Defendant says, I don't have that information today. My attorney says, do you have those texts? 
The defendant says, I'm sure. My attorney says, have you produced those texts? The defendant says, yes. My attorney says, okay, so every text that you believe supports your position that Crystal has written anything negative about you on GOMI have been previously produced in this lawsuit, correct? Defendant says, no, that's not correct. My attorney says, okay. Defendant says, I did not say that. My attorney says, okay, you understand that you were asked to produce any text that supported that position, correct? The defendant says, yes. My attorney says, okay. My attorney then says, why have you not produced all of those? Defendant says, because number one, this is an investigation. It isn't just an open and shut thing. I have to provide details as I figure out things as we go along, the technical side of it. I know the conversations that I've had with her. I haven't had with her. But when I say that too, I'm not saying Crystal told me she said something negative. I'm saying there's a copy of a conversation Crystal and I had. That's the only person I had the conversation with and it's repeated on the internet. My attorney says, okay, have you produced all of this? Let me make sure we're clear. Defendant says, yeah. My attorney says, it's your position that there are things on text that only you and Crystal talked about, that Crystal's the only other person besides you on earth that knew that information, correct? Defendant says, I believe so. My attorney says, okay. And my question to you is, have you produced all of the text messages or emails that you believe support the position that only Crystal and you knew certain information that was posted on any of these GOMI sites? Defendant says, no, because every day you find out more information and more information. My attorney says, okay. Defendant says, and now the blog has disappeared. My attorney says, you understand you have a continuing obligation to supplement all the discovery. The defendant says, yes. And then my attorney says, all right, we're going to ask that you provide all of those within 14 days of today's deposition. Anything that would be responsive to the previous request for production. The defendant's attorney says, to the extent that they exist and have not been produced, we will agree to that. And then the defendant says, the problem is that the blog disappeared and my attorney says, and I'm going to object as non-responsive. And the defendant says, okay. So this was sort of a long exchange and that was very common in the defendant's deposition. She would constantly say something and then when asked to clarify, she would sort of skate around it and extend the questioning. But at the end of this exchange, the defendant did agree that any texts that she talked about having that would support that I was the only one that could have known the information that had written things on GOMI would be produced within 14 days of this deposition. This deposition was taken on February the 15th of 2022. No additional evidence or discovery was ever submitted by the defendant after that date. And no texts were produced, no emails were produced, no discovery was produced regarding that because it does not exist. So despite what the defendant has repeatedly said to her followers, nothing like this ever existed and therefore it could never be turned over in this lawsuit. One of the defendant's followers comments and says, you know your truth and the truth will prevail no matter what facts they might have. And the defendant says, oh, they don't have any facts. They don't have any evidence against me. And that's obviously not the case. We had hundreds of hours of footage. And by this point, the defendant had in front of her 399 defamatory statements in a request for admission document as well as five separate retraction letters. So her saying that there is no evidence is mind-blowing. She also said that she never suspected anyone that would have been in her business, but once she read the blog, she could determine it within five seconds. As I've said before, in the police video, her smoking gun that she told the police when she called 911 and had them come to her house on Monday, November the 9th, she told them that she read the blog and she saw that someone had said 110 billion and that was a term that I had used and that's how she knew that it 
was me. So when she says she figured it out within five seconds, what she's saying is she got on Gomi, she read a comment, and in that comment were the words 11 billion, and that is how she concluded that I am every username on Gomi and anyone who's ever written anything negative about her on the internet. Towards the end of this clip, she also sort of makes a dig at my therapist and says that evidently I'm seeing a therapist now or a counselor now, which that is not information that should be shared. That is information that we were obligated to turn over in this lawsuit. She has already talked about that I had to go on medication. And here she is talking about my mental health once again, referencing my therapist. And then she says, are they trained to know if you're lying? Insinuating that I was lying to my therapist. Then again on September the 1st, that evening, the defendant was hosting a live sale and once in starts again talking about all of this stuff that she had just said seven days prior that she wasn't going to talk about. Tomorrow will have been a year since I've been in literal hell. So really it was probably November is better, but no, I guess so. Honestly, probably should have said 2018 now. <laughs> so anyways, tomorrow is my celebratory day though. We made it a year, I didn't die and I didn't go to jail and I didn't kill anybody and I didn't quit and it's great. See, I'm just joking guys. So in this clip, as she's doing her live sale, she once again talks about how tomorrow is her celebration day. That next day would have been September the 2nd, and it would have been one year since my resignation. And she said that she's going to celebrate that she didn't die, she didn't go to jail, and she didn't kill anyone, and then says, oh, I'm just joking. September the 7th of 2021 was supposed to be the defendant's rescheduled deposition. Her original deposition was supposed to be on July the 16th. She had confirmed that date, and then a week later had booked a cruise. We had a hearing about it and the judge ruled in her favor that she could go on her cruise and that we would be rescheduling her deposition. He actually made us reschedule her deposition on that hearing so that it would be in the calendar. However, it was delayed again. Also on September the 7th, the defendant filed a motion for a protective order. Most of the time when you see a protective order, people think of a restraining order. This protective order was similar to her other protective order that she had filed along with her motion to quash back in July, protecting her from having to do something that was required by the lawsuit. In this instance, she wanted a protective order from the judge that would protect her against having to respond to the 399 requests for admissions. This motion says, on August the 10th, 2021, plaintiffs served defendants her first set of 284 requests for admission, Exhibit A. On September 1st, 2021, plaintiffs served defendants with an additional 115 supplemental requests for admission, Exhibit B, bringing the total number of requests to 399, spanning 59 pages of requests. Defendants object to the volume of discovery, citing it is unduly burdensome, unnecessarily expensive and harassing, unreasonable and cumulative, and the burden or expense to be incurred by defendants in responding to these 399 requests for admission outweigh the benefit of the proposed discovery, taking into account the needs of the case, the party's resources, and the importance of the proposed discovery in resolving the issues. Defendants anticipate that unless plaintiff is limited to the amount of admissions it may propound, plaintiff will continue to send an unlimited number of supplemental requests for admissions to defendants in an effort to increase the cost of defending this case for defendants. These 399 requests for admissions 
appear to come from innumerable unknown conversations in some unknown context across various social media platforms, none of which are described in sufficient detail in the requests. It is an unreasonable task to have defendants recall whether or not these 399 statements were made. The voluminous requests are an attempt to create transcriptions of many unconnected alleged social media posts spanning a period of eight months. Further, defendants are required under the rules to state what they can and cannot admit to, further making the burden of responding to these 399 requests more arduous and expensive. So the defendant basically did not want to have to admit or deny that she had made the 399 defamatory statements because it was just too burdensome. And one of the other words used in this motion was harassing. Then on September the 10th of 2021, a hearing was set for the judge to hear this motion. The hearing would be on September 23rd of 2021. Then on September 13th of 2021, the defendant made the following Instagram story. To go through the stupid lawsuit stuff, because every single thing I say is turned into a miles long document about how I'm, you know, saying something about them. Like, just a moose, because it's going to cost you a whole lot more money not to. So it's just exhausting. Oh, God, I cannot even imagine putting my family through all... Oh, God, I cannot imagine being them, honestly, putting my family through all this. Just to what? When <laughs> when the proof comes, then what are you going to say? Like, give some reason why you did it? Like, oh, God, it's exhausting. Sorry, just stay off the internet. I mean, I guess that's their goal. And if I stay off the internet, I don't work. And if I don't work... And captions up, because honestly... Let her sit there and waste her time to transcribe every single story I say. <sighs> but one day when y'all figure out all of this that I'm talking about and you all, oh my God, so many people already know. it's So many people have come out of the woodwork too that know them that I don't know. And oh my God, every story is the same. It is just mind blowing when you did not know that side of someone and so many other people did. It's just, it's sickening. So in this video, once again, she talks about all the case stuff that she's having to do and how it's so gross and how if we would just tell the truth that it wouldn't cost all of this money and what are you going to do when the proof comes out? She couldn't even imagine having to explain this to her family. What excuse would we give when the proof came out? And then she says that the goal must have been to make her stay off of the internet. At the time of this recording, I believe I am in episode 18, reviewing footage of her making false and defamatory statements. And she has said that she has stayed off of the internet, which was our goal. In a lot of the defendants' Instagram stories, you can see across the top that there is a dash for every story. And on many of the defendants' Instagram stories, there are a lot of dashes. So many that most of the time, across the top, they're not even dashes anymore. They're just little tiny dots. The defendant has also admitted before that she runs out of Instagram stories. The maximum amount of Instagram stories that you can post in a day is 100. And sometimes she runs out and then she will get on one of her other 32 social media accounts and start making stories over there. So the statement that she got off the internet and that was the goal could not be further from the truth. And then she talks again about how people are coming out of the woodwork with stories and how they're just the same and you never knew this side of a person and then you meet so many people that did. Again, this is something that the defendant has said before and she is referencing whenever she sought out my ex-business partner, sought out my ex-employees and tried to drag all of them into this. And so she's trying to add to her credibility saying that there's other people that had this same experience with me. 
Once again, the only similarity between the defendant and I and my ex-business partner and I is that I have filed a lawsuit against both of them. However, they were for completely different reasons. My ex-business partner and I were trying to dissolve our partnership and there was a breach in contract. This is an entirely different situation, but she always loops that in to try and make it sound like I am a serial extortionist. Also on September the 13th, the defendant makes an Instagram story that has text on the screen and the text on the screen says, I pray I'm able to feel whole again so I can show you how to get through something like this. Then again, I pray you never have to go through something like this, to be stalked and terrorized by people you trust the most for years, to be dragged through the mud by those same people whom you've never said a terse word. I know me even saying this gives them life and validation and joy, and that's disgusting. But I have to keep it real, and this is really happening. It's like a nightmare on video, but it's my actual real life. I've shared my life with you for almost a decade now. You wouldn't expect anything less. I'm very thankful for all of you. Those who have come forward with your own stories and experiences with these people, those who just want to offer prayer and support, those who have walked alongside me as I try to navigate a normal life, knowing every word I say is transcribed and costing me thousands, I have to earn while my dad was dying just to prevent losing everything I've ever worked for. I pray for my turn to speak my truth. We have hundreds of witnesses and I'm very confident that time will come, but man, getting there has been a nightmare I wouldn't wish on anyone. So the defendant claims that she cannot wait to tell her truth. Her opportunity to tell her truth originally was on July the 16th of 2021 and she booked a cruise instead. Then it was rescheduled for September the 7th and it didn't happen then either. The defendant delayed so many things throughout this entire lawsuit and reading how she just wishes that she could get up there and tell her story is a bit ludicrous because she was the sole reason for all of the delays. She also says that she has hundreds of witnesses. At trial, zero witnesses were called on behalf of the defendant. Zero. My deposition was supposed to be scheduled for September the 14th of 2021. Because the defendant's deposition on September the 7th was rescheduled, that also rescheduled my deposition and H's deposition, which was supposed to happen on September the 15th of 2021. On September 18th of 2021, the defendant makes another Instagram story. And in this Instagram story, she has the question box and is asking people to fill in the blank to the statement, I assume you blank. And this person has written in, I assume you don't slash need want any more friends because of H and C, although we would be BFFs in real life. This is one of the defendant's followers. And the defendant responds by saying, some days I think to myself, you really aren't scared to trust people again? And the answer is no, because so many people have stepped up and been so supportive and come forward with their statements and stories about everything. Some of it being the same story. So more than anything, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude and it definitely helps restore my faith in humanity. But also it's absolutely disgusting that I'm still living this nightmare every day. I know the end is near, justice will prevail. The truth never changes. And really, my dad and his quality of life and rescuing my business they tried to destroy is what I'm focusing on. I'll just let them talk to themselves. Pathetic, lonely people. Then on September 20th of 2021, the defendant makes another Instagram live video. I'm not supposed to say the dates I'm traveling on the internet anymore because Captain Crazy likes to schedule stuff when I'm going out of town. Talking to you, sis. So annoying. So I can't say it on social media, so it feels like I'm lying to my friends. God, I'll be glad when all this is just a Netflix series. <laughs> Literally, like y'all thought you were gonna get away with this forever. 
So here, once again, the defendant says, I can't say dates on the internet. My attorney says because Captain Crazy Profanity will schedule something intentionally on that date. Again, no one ever scheduled anything intentionally on any date. The defendant gave dates to her attorneys. Her attorney gave that to my attorneys and H's attorney, and they agreed upon a date. And then six days later, the defendant scheduled a cruise. However, she has rewritten the narrative to make it sound like I'm trying to sabotage her by scheduling important things on dates because she has said them on her social media. She even looks at the camera and says, talking to you, sis, because she knows that her social media content is being captured for this lawsuit. And so she wants to make sure that I know that she's talking to me. Then she laughs and says, I'll be so glad when this is just a Netflix series. The defendant has repeatedly said that she should go on Netflix and that people call her the Netflix lady. And she has also talked about wanting to tell her story and requested videographers. And if the defendant did ever attempt to tell this story and anyone ever published it, there are some legality issues with that because the defendant has a judgment against her where a jury unanimously ruled that all of her statements were false and defamatory. Then on September 21st of 2021, my attorneys filed our response to her motion for protective order. My attorneys say, this case arises out of the constant defamation of plaintiff through defendant's plan and course against plaintiff to harass, annoy, assault, and slander and libel plaintiff. Defendants have continuously made posts on social media platforms, Instagram and Facebook with defamatory statements, even after five separate retraction letters were sent to defendants informing them of these issues. And then it lists the dates that the retraction letters have been sent. It also says defendants believe that these requests were sent to increase the cost of defending this case for defendants. These statements are of little relevance to the central issues of the case and the requests were intended to harass or annoy defendants and each statement listed is out of context. And then they cite some case law about limiting discovery. And then they go on to say plaintiff's intention in sending these requests for admission is to save both the courts and the party's time in either depositions or trial. Without these requests for admission, plaintiff will be forced to bring up every single video post and comment that contains a defamatory statement made by the defendants and confirm whether or not defendants made those statements. Rather than to waste time in deposition or trial, these requests were brought forward to reduce the amount of time spent confirming each statement that was made by defendants. Defendants point out that these statements were obtained from recordings of the defendants' social media posts, videos, and comments. This statement is true. However, that does not automatically make it a more convenient, less burdensome, and less expensive source of information. As stated above, if these requests are not answered, plaintiff's counsel will have to spend the majority of defendants' deposition and trial testimony showing each and every one of the videos, posts, and comments that contain the defamatory statements and asking defendants to confirm they made the statement. On multiple occasions, defendant has stated that she is willing to admit every single statement that was asked in the request for admission. See Instagram Live video on August 21st, 2021, attached herein as Exhibit 10. Write all these down, because if you want to know later, you can save yourself the time and energy to ask me, do I admit or deny? I'm saying it. The cumulative nature of these requests are not due to plaintiffs want to increase the cost of defending this case for defendants. In fact, the cumulative nature of these requests are not due to plaintiffs' actions at all. The number of requests that were sent to defendants to either admit or deny was entirely because of the massive amount of defamatory statements that defendants have made on numerous social media accounts. Since November of 2020, defendants have posted approximately 86 
26 live videos, averaging approximately 1.5 hours in length, totaling approximately 129 hours, and posting 545 comments, posts, and stories across their multitude of social media accounts. Plaintiff has narrowed down the statements made by defendants to only those that are directly relevant to the case at hand. Defendants have stated that the statements listed in the request are of little relevance to the central issues of this case. The case at hand is a defamation case. Each statement has been listed as a defamatory statement by plaintiff in one of the five separate retraction letters that have already been sent to defendants since this case began. Each statement is directly at issue in this case and are each facts of consequence that must be evaluated by a jury. For example, defendant lists six different requests that she considers irrelevant and out of context. All of these statements are directly from the five separate retraction letters that have been sent to defendants starting on February 4th of 2021. All six of the statements that defendants claim are of little relevance to the case and are made out of context are directly related to this case as plaintiff has shown that they are in fact defamatory. Defendants are simply trying to dig themselves out of the hole that has been dug due to defendants consistent posting of defamatory statements on the multiple social media outlets that have been made available to them. As stated above, plaintiff has taken the liberty of going through the 89 live videos averaging approximately 1.5 hours in length totaling approximately 129 hours and the 545 comments, posts, and stories to narrow down the statements defendants have made to only include those that are directly relevant to the case at hand. So that document was our response to the motion saying basically that the only person responsible for the multitude of the defamatory statements is the defendant and that they are directly relevant and that they have been sent to the defendant since February. Actually, our first retraction letter was sent in January. The defendant's attorney asked us to revise it and include more information, and we did that on February the 4th. This is now in September, so the defendant has had all of this time to review those statements. She has admitted in live videos before that she was watching the videos back and how they said live in red, so she knew that they were being recorded in real time. So the defendant not only has access to all of these social media posts, but she was notified of them starting back in February. Then on September 22nd of 2021, the defendant made another live video. But some of the stuff, I'm like, can I just talk to my friends on Instagram stories? It's like my favorite thing. Literally, like, that is probably why that's the thing I miss the most out of the last 12 months is that I can't talk to y'all as much because someone records a bond to why I said what I said. But I said what I said because it's true. Just wait till this. God, so disgusting. You're going to throw up for me video was made one day prior to the hearing on the defendant's motion for protective order and she is referencing the request for admissions and how can't she just talk to her friends on the internet without having to admit or deny everything that she has said. So she's clearly referencing the request for admissions and the hearing is on the following day after this video. Again, we had a Zoom hearing on September 23rd of 2021. All parties were there, including my attorneys, H's attorney and H, the defendant and the defendant's attorney. And this time the judge ruled in my favor. The defendant's attorney tried to argue that the request was burdensome and my attorney's response to that was if the defendant would not have made all of these statements, the request wouldn't be so burdensome. And the judge agreed with my attorneys and said that the motion was denied and the defendant would have to answer whether or not she admitted or denied making all of the 399 statements. 
So despite the defendant's efforts to resist having to answer the request for admission, the judge ordered that she would have to. And once the order was filed and showing that the motion was denied, the defendant had a period of time to answer those requests. The defendant previously had been able to send out dates for her deposition and it was circulated, it was agreed upon, and then she booked a cruise. And then whenever we would not let her reschedule, she filed a motion and the judge ruled in her favor. And I think that that is what she thought would happen in this case as well. Thankfully, that did not happen. As this is a defamation case, it is essential for the defendant to answer whether or not she said all of these statements. Resisting the request for admission was not an option. And the judge did rule in our favor on that, stating that in a defamation case, you have to be accountable for the words that you are saying on the internet. These requests for admissions were just meant to save the court time, but you cannot make statements on the internet and not be expected to have to answer for them. Next time on False and Defamatory. Also, do you really think it's never going to come out in public what you're doing? Everybody going to know everything. Let me be very clear. The police video when the defendant had H meet her at the police station, the defendant had lied to H and told her that she already had the confirmed IP addresses linking me to several of the profiles on GOMI. So when H was answering these questions with the police officer, that is what she had been told thinks that I already have the match between the IP address and going. And she thinks that, and that is why she even talked to me to begin with. And it's like, I already knew, but then having the physical proof just makes you just want to, oh. This is the defendant's response to H's intervention in the lawsuit. Arguably, her attorneys would have found the most incriminating statements that H made in this police video to use in the defense. And this is all that was provided. And so often the defendant talks about how we should watch the police video and H told the police this and H told the police that. The most incriminating statements from H are in this document. And none of those things are in there. This was the third time the defendant's deposition was scheduled. The defendant had an ongoing responsibility to turn over any discovery, and they waited until the day that we were supposed to take her deposition. So we opted to leave and did not take her deposition on that day. No one is disputing that there is a thread on GoMe that people write about her and that it is negative. No one has ever disputed that, but it's not me. I was never concerned that any sort of authority was going to come for me or there would ever be any evidence found because I knew that I hadn't done any of this. And there's nothing in there, nothing that supports any claim that she has ever made because she made it all up. And then when the truth comes out, what do they say? Like, oh, my bad. Or the other person had like a convincing story. No, they didn't. The False and Defamatory podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Crystal Wrighton, with music by Harry B. Ragsdale, who also serves as my audio engineer. First and foremost, I would like to thank my guests who generously shared their time and insight with us. I would also like to thank my husband, my mom, 
my children, my therapist, my attorneys, and trusted friends who walked with me through this process and made this podcast possible. Being able to finally speak the truth is incredibly healing, and I appreciate you listening more than I could accurately express. If you would like to continue receiving my latest episodes and stay up to date with my content, please subscribe to the False and Defamatory podcast on your preferred podcast platform and follow False and Defamatory on social media with the handle at False and Defamatory. Links to False and Defamatory social media as well as my blog can be found in the episode notes and on falseanddefamatory.com. Listening to the False and Defamatory podcast is free on most platforms. However, if you prefer a video podcast or would like to see the documents discussed in the podcast shown on screen, you can subscribe to my Patreon, where you will enjoy these benefits as well as early access, bonus content, and ad-free listening. The defendant spread her false and defamatory claims to hundreds of thousands of followers for more than two years. My goal is to share the truth so it can reach each person who heard her lies. By sharing this podcast, you can help me achieve that goal. Your support means everything to me and helps me reach a wider audience. So please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with those you think would benefit from it. Thank you again for sharing and for listening. All social media posts referenced in this podcast were included in the evidence in case number 096-321-678-20 in the 96th District Court of Tarrant County, Texas, where the jury unanimously ruled in my favor on August 24, 2022. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the False and Defamatory podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by the guests are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the view of the False and Defamatory podcast or Crystal Wrighton. Please do not make any attempts to reach out to the defendant or her followers. Names have been redacted to protect the privacy of the defendant and her army of followers who commented on her public posts. The unanimous jury verdict has not only provided me with justice, but also allows me to share my story. The purpose of this podcast is to share the truth and to provide educational content regarding defamation and social media. If you have any questions about this or to view the documents discussed in this episode, please visit falseanddefamatory.com.